The exhibit closes with a look at Beiguan troops' close connection with their communities and its egalitarianism. Unlike the quieter Nanguan, with its exclusive scholarly tone, Beiguan has no limits on who can take part or help sponsor a troop's banners. Even those traditional society might look down on can proudly contribute to fundraising for their local troops, knowing that the praise the troop wins thereby will reflect back equally on them. I'm Curious John, and I'll see you again next week. Ladies and gentlemen, here's Shirley Lin with In the Spotlight. Welcome to In the Spotlight. I'm Shirley Lin. And with me in the studio today is James Fong, who's a filmmaker, um, slash entrepreneur, slash nonprofit starter. Uh, and this nonprofit organization is called SALT, yes, SALT, S A L T, Collective. I don't even know where to start about you talking about you because I want to hear everything that you're doing because you're just one amazing life story here and sitting in front of me. <laughs> you know, what is the thing that you really care and focus the most right now? Is it a giving tree? Yeah. Okay, let's start with that. What okay. is the giving tree? Well, first of all, thank you for having me on your show. No problem. Uh, oh, right. Give a little bit of background where you're from and, you know. Why are you in Taiwan? <laughs> yeah, uh, so I'm from the States, um, originally from the Bay Area, and I've been in Taiwan for seven years uh, working here. Um, uh, my company, we do film production, and also we're a digital agency that handles a lot of the marketing uh, that helps B2B businesses go B2C. So that's mm. kind of more the career work side. Right. And, you know, Taiwan's very big on manufacturing and uh, very high-quality manufacturing, but Taiwan's not very strong with marketing and branding. So my company basically comes in and handles everything from the photos, the videos, and gets you onto the e-commerce platforms like Amazon, Lazada, Shopee, and Worldwide. That's, that's pretty much what we do on the work side. Uh, now, talk about the Giving Tree. Yeah. This is something I'm very excited. So yeah, my nonprofit, Salt Collective, um, started with a buddy of mine, uh, Andrew, uh, three years ago. And um, what we do is we're pretty much a platform for volunteers, in Taiwan because we realized there was an issue of you know uh, people with our backgrounds foreigners ABCs that come to Taiwan and because a lot of the nonprofit organizations here are a little inclusive sometimes uh, there was no bridge so a lot of my friends always had these complaints and say hey I want to go volunteer but man we couldn't find anything anywhere so we became that bridge three years ago so we do a monthly soup kitchen uh, servings for the homeless. We have um, orphanage visits, monthly orphanage visits. And then we even have a prison ministry once a year where we throw a party for the foreign prisoners here in Taiwan. Oh, for the foreign prisoners. Yes, foreign prisoners. Okay. Because because all the foreign prisoners here in Taiwan, it's really hard for their family to visit them. Sure. So there's a whole thing of you know loneliness and, and struggles that they have. So we throw a bash every Christmas where we basically... You know, buy all the food from Costco, from KFC, you name it, Pizza Hut. We, and then all these things people. Things they miss. Yeah, things they miss. And then uh, we even have Southeast Asian uh, volunteers who come and cook their home uh, home country's Aww. meals just yeah. for some of the Southeast, uh, Southeast Asian, uh, some of the inmates there. 
And okay. you should see the plates that these guys stack. <laughs> like food is falling off the plate as they're coming to grab. It's 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 crazy. It's such a good time. Oh, yeah. Because I was thinking that okay, there's I think there's quite a few soup kitchens mm-hmm. and all these you know volunteer and community works, but yours is mainly the members are mainly expats. That's why. Yeah, that, expats. That's yeah makes you stand out differently from others. Okay. Absolutely, and then um, also like if I ask anyone. To name an organization that does it, no one will be able to name it. And uh. so we wanted to, on the branding side, we wanted to be the group that people can actually name. And so that means ramping up on social media. You know, digital marketing is my company specialty. So we also, you know, lay some of the foundations there. And now, like, uh, if you ask around, people actually know what we do. Mm. And um, and going back to the Giving Tree, this is something that we started uh, the last couple of years. And yeah. we, we partner up with one of my buddies. Uh, Duke from the Key, which is a fitness gym, and, oh, okay. we, and we started very small. Last year, uh, we did uh, you know a giving tree at the actual fitness center, and okay. all it is is just a giving tree, a Christmas tree with cards. These are request cards from you know uh, underprivileged kids. Okay. I'm talking about orphans, orphanages, and you know kids with disabilities and those kind of things. And last year, our goal was 300 cards, mm-hmm. and um, we sold out in 90 minutes. And we ended up actually doing a, uh, 150 more, so we ended with 450 last year. And right. that experience really opened my eyes a bit. Um, you know, I, I I always knew that Taiwan is a very generous country. People mm-hmm. have a lot of love here, but like, I mean, selling out 300 cars in 90 minutes—that's just ridiculous. With no marketing, no branding, no nothing, and so that really uh, paved the way for me to, you know, for us, our team to actually go big this year. And then we basically scaled it. So this year we held a launch event and have a thousand kids. And this year we also included some adults too. So there's some organizations where uh, you know the mentally challenged. Yes. And also we're working with a, a school uh, for the blind okay. in in Taizong. And okay. so we're covering quite a lot of ground this year. And it's kind of interesting because I think that you know by human nature people like kids. And we do yeah. when we do events like this. People are like, oh, wait, how come on the card it's like a 30-year-old? Uh-huh. And so one thing we're doing on the marketing side is actually we're taking pictures and getting pictures from, from our adult organizations to show people, hey, there's actually a need there as well. And we want to bring that into awareness. And another area I want to go into next year is also the elderly homes. Right, so right. I like to cover the orphanages, the soup kitchens, and also the elderly. I feel like that's another area that's really desperately have needs, but there's no awareness. And so we're trying to do that with salt. Uh, so what you do is you first get in touch with these orphanages or, mm-hmm. you know, these these schools or whatever or, you know, low-income families. So you first get in touch with these before you know how many kids need gifts. And then you set up the tree. And then you find people who are willing to buy gifts for these kids. Absolutely. Is that how it works, right? Yeah, that's exactly how it works. Okay. So we, we're working with around 17 different organizations on the recipient side. So that's like, you know, different orphanages from all over Taiwan. Like I said, the School for the Blind and then, uh, and then a bunch of other different organizations that have needs. Mm. And then uh, this year, we actually started adding in businesses. So we have a ton of businesses that joined in with their satellite trees. Mm. So, for example, um, you know, let's say Tame Fox, which is a cafe and then or R&D lounge or even some of my friends, um, their own companies, they set up their own giving tree. And so like an actual tree, an actual tree. Mm. So like if you go to uh, Breeze Center uh, in Xinyi area where Taihu Landmark, you know, the the beer place. Right. 
there's a huge tree outside and it has our sign you know giving tree okay uh tw with our hashtag um and then it has cards on there so oh. literally any stranger can go up there pick a card sign their name put in their information and then they go ahead and grab the gifts and then wrap it and then bring it back to taihu and taihu will go ahead and deliver the gifts to the organization they're in charge of okay and we of course by, send, by send, mail no in oh, person in person in person and oh. we send our team with them so we go in there together and um and if if they don't want to they say hey you know what we're busy we can't make it that day that's okay then our organization will come and pick up the gifts the day of and okay. then bring it to the recipient organizations ourselves oh how many people are on your team right now we have a group of seven volunteers that are very much dedicated from salt only collective only seven only seven and then we have some support from you know the key um okay. and some some of the you know that's also one of our spots where everyone drops off the gifts oh, okay so i mean look the, the, the only thing we're trying to do is literally try to you know show love like i feel like generosity mm. is like a muscle mm. and if you don't work it out if you just are very selfish and very narcissistic which is really easy to do in this kind of like you know social media driven mm. era that we live in where we just take selfies and you know do videos of yes. ourselves tiktok all day we forget about the world we forget about you know outside of ourselves so all we're trying to do with salt is to get people to you know have awareness that the world is bigger than yourself you're listening to in the spotlight with shirley lynn So the giver never meets the recipient. Uh, no, the giver also has the option to join along if the schedule allows. So, for right. example, um, let's say the giver goes, "Hey, we'd like to also visit, you know, this particular thing." And of course, we 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 do have to, you know, do some filtering because it's a very sensitive. You know, depends on the schools. It's it's also very sensitive if you're talking about orphanages and identities. Right. You know, like um, so we do need to do some background filtering and whatnot. And same thing for our orphanage visits we do monthly. Like we're not gonna just let a random person come and join our orphanage visits. We we need to know you're gonna have to come, you know, volunteer with us a couple times. We get to know you a bit, your background, you know, where whether we can find you, you know, like whether you're mentally stable mm. before we invite you to join our orphanage visits. Mm. So that is definitely if you don't have that filtering system, then you're not being very responsible. Yeah. And we as an organization have to do our due diligence. And that's why all the businesses that we include, we don't just include everybody. These are mm. all businesses that either I personally know the owners or the people running it, and mm. or they have a very solid reputation. Mm -hmm. um, otherwise, we're not just going to include random random businesses. It doesn't yeah. work like that. Yeah. Well, that is a lot of work. Yeah, yeah. it is. Yeah, and yeah. it's and that's not even my like job. That's just a part time right. thing. And then I can say all of us probably contribute more than twenty hours a week. Um, easy and mm. for this giving tree this year we're probably doing like i would say 30 hours a week on the side and mm. you know we don't get paid it's not about the money it's about you know the satisfaction of really trying to you know make this world a better place and yeah. i feel like taiwan is the perfect place because people do have the love mm -hmm. to give it's mm. just having a platform to give that love out and we saw the missing link and then we became the bridge and and then to fulfill that would you recommend that the same giver give the same recipient every year so that there's sort of like a bond building? I, I don't know. Uh, you know what? That's actually a very good question. And that's actually, you're, you're actually hitting a, a very interesting topic because uh, for our orphanage visits, that is actually one of our main goals. Yeah. Yeah. Because the thing is that, like, what's the point if you're going to visit these kids and then you only go once? And let's say you made a connection with the kid and they really, you know, expect you expect, to come back. Yeah, yeah, and so actually we, we, have a, we have certain rules. So never tell the kids, 
promise them or say anything you can't fulfill. Uh-huh. So don't tell the kids, "Hey, I'll see you next month," and you don't show up next month. Right? Don't do that. Right? That's not cool. Yeah. Because these kids, they don't have much, no. and to them, the influence of being able to hang out with you is special to them. Mm-hmm. And to them, they see you as a big brother, big sister. So when you let them down, that disappointment can be, you know. And th- a lot of these kids already went through trauma, a lot of trauma, yeah. uh, abuse, family, domestic abuse from the parents. You know, like there's a lot of orphanages that have kids that come from that background. So. Yeah, that's one thing, and that connection and that prolonging that relationship and really going consistently—that's a huge, huge thing that we always try to, you know, imprint. So there's a few organizations that we actually work with on a regular basis that we're trying to establish that with. And mm-hmm. one of our priorities is like, hey, you can't commit to this and then not show up. We're not a hey one and done kind of thing. We're not here to do your little PR. You can take some pictures and feel good about yourself. That's not what this is about. If you want to volunteer at this orphanage and do this. It's got to be a long-term thing. Now mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be like every week or whatever, but at least keep it consistent. Maybe once a month, every two months, um, and to have that relationship and keep it going. So, what's the future, the eventual big picture of Giving Tree? I mean, to go I, beyond Taiwan. <laughs> uh, my first one of our first milestones, like I would love to one day achieve, is to find um, quality organizations that really need the gifts. And I would like to find every marginalized, you know, like kid in Taiwan, mm. and really be able to provide them a spark for Christmas. Like, I mean, last year I got a card. I picked a card, and it was a kid that literally said, "Hey, Santa, uh, I would like a bike so that uh-huh. I can bike to school. I have to walk to school like an hour every day yeah. or whatever." Uh-huh. And I look at the card. I'm like, man, and we have a limit, two thousand NT. So I went right. online, bought the bike, sent it over. And the kid sends back uh-huh. him riding the bike and a video thanking me. Wow! I mean, come on, like that for me, just like that did it. Like, yeah. You don't need to say nothing. I'm a, I'm a part of this every year, whether as uh you know the person helping running it or as a you know participant, because mm-hmm. for me that's meaningful. And there is a lot of kids that n- need this. Like this gift will make their year. Like this kid, think about it. This kid now can ride to school every day and save about let's say you know 50 minutes a day. Yeah. And uh, his life is a lot easier just because I spent 1,500 NT on a bike. How did you manage to get a 1,500 NT bike? PC I, home. Because <laughs> I'm like, how you really got it? Yeah. You have to really follow the rules and stay. I mean, yeah, you, you have to. Yeah. And, and there's there's also you know, uh, wow. we're not going to enable. Also, we don't want to do any enabling, um, and we want to be fair. So, for example, let's say we have two kids within the one what in the same organization. One kid asks for an iPad, and it's above the limit. And it's five thousand yeah. NT. And I go, okay, all right, cool. I'm gonna get you that iPad. Uh-huh. The next kid stayed within the rules of two thousand NT, and he asked for a pair of shoes. Uh-huh. Well, guess what happens when the kid, the kid with the pair of shoes, sees a kid with the iPad? Okay. What's he gonna do? Next year, he's gonna ask for the iPad. And then when you say no, he's gonna be like, no, 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 no. But you gave him last year the iPad, so therefore I should get the iPad too. Yeah. You're fair, right? Yeah. We don't allow that. That's that's right. why you have to have these certain, yeah. you know, like. Uh, Rules set in for that particular situation. So you have to tell the kids that they can't, they, you know, whatever they ask for, mm-hmm. can't. So they get filtered too. I yeah, mean, absolutely. Yeah. So the organization <laughs> they ask for a house, and it's like, uh, um, let me tell you, kid. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> okay. You got to set the ground rules. Otherwise, like I said, the enabling um, sets in, and then there's, you know, like then it's going to become something very negative. Wow, I'm so convicted by what James Fong is doing in Taiwan because he's not even Taiwanese and he's doing so much for the people here in Taiwan, especially the underprivileged. 
Next week, we're going to start off with talking about this other thing that he's doing, which is the reason why he's in Taiwan. Him as a filmmaker. For In the Spotlight, I'm Shirley Lin. Classic shorts, poems, and stories from Chinese literature. Hello and welcome to Classic Shorts. I'm Natalie So. Today we're going to look at poems dedicated to an unnamed beauty. They were written by the late Tang Dynasty poet Li Sangying, who was known for his elusive, sensual, and mysterious poetry. Especially written about those unknown. The series is called To One Unnamed. It starts with this poem. The stars of last night and the wind of last night are west of the painted chamber and east of Cinnamon Hall. Though I have for my body no wings like those of the bright-colored phoenix, yet I feel the harmonious heartbeat of the sacred unicorn. Across the spring wine, while it warms me, I prompt you how to bet where, group by group, we are throwing dice in the light of a crimson lamp. Till the rolling of a drum, alas, call me to my duties, and I mount my horse and ride away like a water plant cut adrift. Li Sangying's second poem, To One Unnamed. You said you would come, but you did not. And you left me with no other trace 
than the moonlight on your tower at the fifth watch bell. I cry for you forever gone. I cannot waken yet. I try to read your hurried note. I find the ink too pale. Blue burns your candle in its kingfisher feather lantern. And a sweet breath steals from your hibiscus broidered curtain. But far beyond my reach is the enchanted mountain. And you are on the other side. Ten thousand peaks away. This is Lee Sang-yung's third poem, To One Unnamed. A misty rain comes blowing with a wind from the east, and wheels faintly thunder beyond Hibiscus Pool. Round the golden toad lock, incense is creeping. The jade tiger tells, on its cord, of water being drawn. A great lady once, from behind a screen, favored a poor youth. A fairy queen brought a bridal mat, once for the ease of a prince, and then vanished. Must human hearts blossom in spring like all other flowers? And of even this bright flame of love, shall there only be ashes? Those are the love poems of the late Tang Dynasty poet Lee Sang-ying to one unnamed. Thanks for tuning in to Classic Shorts. I'm Natalie Sell. You're listening to News Playlist. We've queued up some of the most interesting reports for you, brought to you by Radio Taiwan International. Welcome to the News Playlist. I'm Paula Chow, the program host. After extensive wrangling, it's a done deal. As of last week, Taiwan officially lifted the restrictions on U.S. pork containing the additive ractopamine. This change in policy has been controversial, but now that the policy is changed, President Tsai Ing-wen is asking for the nation's understanding. 2021 is here. It's a year that many hope will bring changes. 
changes like an end to the COVID-19 pandemic. In Taiwan, the new year has already brought a change, and this is a change that many are unhappy about. After the official New Year's flag-raising ceremony at the presidential office Friday, President Tsai Ing-wen addressed this change and asked for the public's understanding. Taiwan has just lifted long-standing restrictions on the import of U.S. pork, specifically pork treated with the additive ractopamine. Despite assurances, many Taiwanese people remain unconvinced that the additive is safe for human consumption. Opposition lawmakers wasted no time turning the issue into a chance for publicity, even going so far as to throw pig guts on the legislature floor. But despite resistance, it's now over. The restrictions are lifted, lifting with them a sore spot in U.S.-Taiwan trade ties. In her New Year's address, the president said that Taiwan is a nation that relies on trade. She said that three presidential administrations have failed to resolve the U.S. pork issue and that the nation no longer has room to avoid dealing with it. She said that the decision to lift restrictions on U.S. pork products was made after careful consideration and asked for the nation's understanding. John Van Trieste, RTI News. The public has chosen pig as the word of the year for the legislature. This isn't a reflection of how people feel about lawmakers. Instead, it has to do with last year's hot-button political issues, pork. When the group Citizen Congress Watch asked a member of the public to choose a Chinese character that summed up the past year in the legislature, the character for pig won. It beat out 11 runners-up, including characters that mean bribery, relief, fight, inaction, and lethargy. Pigs have dominated recent news from the legislature in recent months as Taiwan moves to allowing imports of U.S. pork containing the additive rectopamine. Some in Taiwan remain unconvinced that the additive is safe for human consumption, and the discussion of the issue among lawmakers has been rowdy. It's even taken a turn for the disgusting, with opposition lawmakers throwing pig guts in the chamber during one session in November. Citizen Congress Watch said the public's selection of pig as word of the year signals concerns over food safety. The group also announced a list of this year's top 10 news stories related to the legislature. The stories chosen by the public include a corruption scandal involving lawmakers across the political spectrum, followed, of course, by the pig gut throwing incident. This is News Playlist, a weekly rundown of some of the most interesting news reports brought to you by RTI. Watch along on YouTube if you like, or close your eyes and enjoy these stories by way of sound. Thirteen students from National Donghua University Experimental Primary School have climbed to an elevation of over 3,000 meters. The children weather cold conditions and rough terrain, but their hard work and perseverance rewarded them with a sense of accomplishment and the opportunity to see snow. Thirteen elementary school students and their teachers sing their school song atop Taiwan's Mount Hehuan. These children are partaking in an outdoor education program which teaches them vital skills like teamwork, perseverance, and outdoor survival. One student says they learned how to live and cook in the great outdoors. Another student said she learned the value of persistence and camaraderie. 
The children's performance earned them high praise from their teachers. They not only climbed to an elevation of over 3,000 meters, but they also conquered the northern summit of Mount Hehuan. For their efforts, the children were rewarded with snow. Snowfall is a rare sight in Taiwan, so it was definitely a treat for the kids. Now that they've overcome one of Taiwan's most daunting mountain trails, one can't help but wonder what great feat these children will accomplish next. Leslie Liao, RTI News. Watch never-before-released images from award-winning aerial filmmaker Qi Boling's sequel, Beyond Beauty Taiwan 2.0, as his legacy is honored at a recent event. Filmmaker Qi Boling brought us Beyond Beauty Taiwan from Above and lost his life in a helicopter while filming its sequel. But his legacy lives on. The Qi Boling Foundation gave over a thousand copies of his photo collection in focus, Qi Boling, to elementary school principals and libraries as part of a charity fundraiser held by the National Taiwan University and National Zhengzi University EMBA programs. Footage of his sequel, Beyond Beauty, Taiwan 2.0, was shown for the first time at the event. Qi Boling will always be remembered as the documentary filmmaker who showed the world the beauty of Taiwan from above. The new footage was made in 4K. Qi Sun said his father spent much of what he earned from his first film, 20 million NT dollars, to buy the 4K equipment. The new documentary will be broadcast at schools throughout Taiwan. The Qi Boling Foundation also has plans to invite over 10,000 students to the Qi Boling Museum and hold biennial Qi Boling Photography Awards. Natalie So, RTI News. The search is on for a seriously injured bear cub spotted recently in a mountainous region of central Taiwan. Teams more used to rescuing humans in these mountains are on the case, but the bear cub has proved elusive, and there's concern the search may take a turn for the dangerous. A surprised local in Taichung's Heping district captured the footage. A small bear running from a mountain road into the dark with what appear to be broken hind legs. It isn't so much running as it is scooting as fast as it can. The person who filmed it is familiar with the area's bears and thought at first that this poor creature must be a dog. A bear, after all, would be able to get away much less clumsily. Local forestry officials suspect the bear was hit by a car on the road where it was spotted. They've sent a team to search for the bear and hopefully get it some much-needed veterinary attention. Teams of locals, police, and mountain search and rescue specialists have joined the search. So far, all these teams have turned up nothing, and there are concerns that civilian locals in particular could be putting themselves in danger, as the bear cub's mother may be somewhere nearby. John Van Trieste, RTI News. It's been a big week for Taiwan's hardcore railway fans. Decades after Taiwan's first stretch of railway was electrified, the entire railroad that loops around the island is now fully electrified. It's a scene that recalls the run-up to the launch of a new iPhone. Long lines of people, some of them in place since the night before, patiently await for doors to open. But these people aren't waiting in front of a store. They're sitting in a train station, waiting to take part in a historic moment for Taiwan's railways. The Southern Link Line has been fully electrified, and the old diesel trains are no more. 
This stretch of track is the last piece of Taiwan's round-the-island railway to open to electric trains, allowing for non-stop island-wide service that will shave up to half an hour off of journeys. For rail fans, this is a big deal. In addition to riding one of the first electric trains to run on this bit of line, they are also excited to get a special commemorative ticket that will allow them to remember this special day for the rest of their lives. John Van Trieste, RTI News. And that's all we have for this week's edition of News Playlist for Radio Taiwan International. I'm Paula Chow. From a bar mitzvah at the Wailing Wall in Jerusalem to a temple procession in Taipei, the people of our world are passionate about their beliefs. Are you listening? Tune in to the sounds of your world on Radio Taiwan International. There are over 33 million people in Taiwan, and Taiwan is not a member, and Palau has only 20,000, and we're a member. So organization of United Nations should not leave out any countries, otherwise it defeats the purposes and definition of United Nations. Hello and welcome to this week's online brought to you by Radio Taiwan International. I'm Carlson Wong. Faced with the coronavirus, Taiwan has been one of the few countries in the world that has successfully controlled the virus. Ambassador of Palau to Taiwan, Ambassador Demel Luisa Oquero said, even before the pandemic, she had repeatedly said that Taiwan has one of the best healthcare systems in the world, and with the pandemic sweeping across the world, her remark proves to be right again as Taiwan has still been able to keep the community safe from COVID transmission. She said the Minister of Health of her country has for years supported Taiwan's bid to join the WHO or World Health Organization. To find out more, we are joined today by the Ambassador of Palau, Ambassador Demel Luisa Alcariel. President Tommy Remenek South also mm-hmm. spoke on behalf of Taiwan and quote, he said, in a global community, parts of the world cannot be made safe in isolation, unquote. The people and the government of Taiwan thank Palau for speaking out for Taiwan at the UN. Mm-hmm. And indeed, uh, as we all know, that no country should be left up, you know, because the white virus knows no races, right. no sexes, no boundaries. Yes, so what yes. do you think of what the president said? I support what he says because uh, Palau... Uh representative to UN and our Minister of Health uh, every year goes to WHA, WHO and he has uh, always have a, I mean all the time have a statement uh, for uh, support of Taiwan. I remember talking to the Minister of Health and, and he says you know there are over 23 million uh, people uh, in Taiwan and, and Taiwan is not a member and Palau has only 
20,000 and we remember. So organization uh, of United Nations should not um, leave out any countries. Otherwise, uh, it defeats the purposes and definition of United Nations. You know, Taiwan healthcare system is one of the best in the world. I, I've said that before the pandemic, and then it has proven to be that during this pandemic. So Palau having um, no COVID um, is probably the safest place to be. But at the same time, Taiwan has COVID, but it's still the safest place to be. Every Monday, I always update the Palau people about the update of uh, Taiwan CDC. So they know, and I know there was uh, many people in Palau are afraid of this uh, pandemic. That's why we don't want people to come, mm-hmm. even Palawans. Uh, the flight uh, from Guam that uh, brought the stranded Palawans in Guam to Palau, we only had two of those flights and then it stops because the people of Palau are afraid. You know, this pandemic in Guam is uh, out of control. And there's about, I believe, about 5,000 or 6,000 Palawans living in Guam. So we're very close. Uh, The two islands are very close culturally and economically. But uh, sadly, people of Palau are very afraid of their relatives returning home. (laughs) (laughs) But they openly say, oh, we're not afraid to receive anyone from Taiwan, you know, mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. I, I tell them uh, there are 62 students from Palau here, including the ambassador, so 63. None of us uh, have been infected with COVID-19. With COVID-19. And then um, another good um, practice that Palau is doing is the patient coming every month. And then they go back every month. None of them have been have, infected. Have Especially, been infected. Um, they receive treatment in a, in a very, hospital. Uh, hospital is yeah. <laughs> yes, a very yeah. uh, unsafe place. Yes, <laughs> yes. And uh, I mean, we've been doing the charter flight uh, since April. So April, May, June, July, August, September, October, November, now December. And nothing has happened. Nothing has happened. And Palau go through the 14-day quarantine, so I also have complained to Taiwan government. Our uh, president uh, wrote a letter asking for a five-day quarantine for people of Palau, and then also five-day quarantine for anyone coming from Taiwan to Palau. So Palau practiced it, and then it stopped because Taiwan didn't uh, agree to it. So now Palau is back to seven days, but Taiwan is still 14 days. for. So I have received a copy of a letter from the president mm-hmm. uh, asking Taiwan again. To review that. Uh, he wants uh, no quarantine. No quarantine for uh, people from Palau. Palau. And also no quarantine for yes. people mm-hmm. from Taiwan. Mm-hmm. And he mentions here, Last uh, local case in Taiwan has been over 200 since days, April. Yes. Yeah, he, he knows the fact about. So 
I don't know if he's gonna get an answer. I hope he gets an answer. The, uh, let me quote this letter. As I uh, wrote in my follow-up request on August 18, 2020, requiring student and medical patient to quarantine for 14 days, undercuts the message of Palau Taiwan Partnership. Uh, I have spoken with president-elect. You know we elected a new president. Yes. 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 Uh, and he is also frustrated at the lack of progress in reducing Taiwan's quarantine requirements for Palau. So that's where we stand. <laughs> <laughs> this is Radio Taiwan International. Back to what you mentioned earlier, Ambassador, of course, you know, when patients from Palau with the one-month charter flight to come in to Taiwan for mm. treatment, they have to be quarantined for 14 days mm. and then receive that treatment before they can go back to Palau. Mm. So I know that there is also the agreement with the uh, Kong Memorial Hospital mm. in Taiwan. To, uh, they provide the uh, medical assistance. So have all these patients been treated only uh, at Xinguang Memorial Hospital in Taipei? Oh no, we have we have uh, agreement. Palau has agreement with uh, Taiwan Adventist Hospital and also Wangfang and uh, also Ida Hospital in Kaohsiung. So most of our patients uh, go to Xinguang and uh, Wangfang. But now, during this pandemic, uh, Singkong only can take um, maybe eight patients at a time. From and, Palau? Uh-huh. But Singkong is a big hospital. They can take many. Mm-hmm. And have Taiwan and Palau been working together since um, February or March this year um, in containing the virus? Yes, Taiwan uh, sent a uh, lab technician from Singkong to Palau to train uh, the technicians in Palau and the nurses. So I know when they first did the testing, it, um, after they do it in the Taiwan uh, lab technician at Singkong watch them through uh, virtual, they have virtual sessions and they mm. train. So I, I believe uh, medical uh, providers in Palau are ready and uh, we are grateful that Taiwan is our friend. Taiwan is helping us, and Taiwan um, helped us to be ready. I also think uh, that people of Palau, they they are afraid because they don't really understand the, the science behind this pandemic. But uh, sooner or later, we're going to get a case, somebody will be infected. And I believe um, our hospital can take deal care. with that. The, yes. yeah. mm-hmm. uh, in, in May this year, actually, there was a false alarm, as everyone knows, that's been reported worldwide. Taiwan's Goodwill Navy fleet yeah, yeah. in Palau, and 32 servicemen and four women caught the virus, but Palau had registered no infections as a result of the visit. So it turned out that <clears throat> the virus did not come uh, from Palau. So was Palau worried at the time? Oh, I think pa- Palau people were more than worried. They panicked, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and then they start pointing fingers. But uh, I also, uh, when I heard about that on the news, that actually was 
in March and April. They were in Palau on March uh, 12, 13, and then they left on the 14. And when they arrived here, it was already like one month, uh, so more than 21 days. And then the, I saw the news, um, and the Minister of Health uh, says that he suspects that they got it in Palau. So even I called the... Minister. I called the MOFA protocol uh, person who... Then they uh, they used to update all the ambassadors of the CVC leaders. Uh, so I called her and said, can you uh, relay my message to Minister of Foreign Affairs that um, the statement uh, should uh, be changed? And uh, because people are Palau are panicking, and then um, they're blaming the president for why did you accept them to come, mm. you know. It, it was really bad situation. So like within 30 minutes, a uh, protocol officer from MOFA called me and said, don't worry, a minister is calling Minister of Health to change his statement. Then they consider the, the Navy class members as uh, imported. So can you change it? Uh, if When you say imported, it means they got it in Palau. From Palau, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's why they put it as a Navy cluster. You right, know? right. Different category. Yes. Yeah, mm-hmm. so I'm, I'm so thankful for that. It They labeled it like that. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the reason why people of Palau were so upset, behind the uh, worried, because there were two Palawan students uh, in that. Fleet. Uh, f- fleet. Mm-hmm. So they, when I mean, after they found out that some of them are positive, they all went to uh, quarantine. So it was a big relief <laughs> to know that uh, they didn't get it in Palau. But, but, but people of Palau tested. Uh, of course, the first uh, in line were the ambassador of Taiwan and, <laughs> <laughs> and his staff because they have the the most contact with the, the, the all the soldiers. Yes, yes. Uh-huh. and then the leaders of Palau and I heard the hotel where they went. Uh, it took uh, several days for Palau to calm down after that. During the months of uh, March, April, and May, um, you know, in Taiwan, they, uh, we had uh, so many local infected cases. Mm. But then uh, after May, uh, you know, everything has become uh, much safer. Now, even though now Taiwan is, is safe, uh, how do you still provide, or how did you at that time provide the assistance to some uh, 62 uh, Palawan students studying in Taiwan. I'm sure that they also panicked. Uh, yeah, I usually uh, message them on social media, you know. Uh, remember to wear your mask, wash your hands, uh, uh, stay uh, put as much as you can. Mm-hmm. Uh, and thank goodness uh, Taiwan uh, uh, has a great service, you know, you can order your food, you can order what you need. They follow through, you know, even though it was hard for foreigners uh, to get masks. But also Sengkwong Hospital uh, provided masks uh, to the student. And then uh, Ministry of Foreign Affairs uh, 
provided the mask for the ambassador and other foreigners who had a hard time getting masks. Yes, there was a panic even yeah. among the Taiwanese. Yes. Actually, uh-huh. at the time, everyone tried to uh, buy masks, but they wouldn't be able to get them. Right, so right. So there was a panic in mm-hmm. a way. And that was the ambassador of Palau to Taiwan, Ambassador Demel Luisa Alcaril. And that's it for this week's On the Line, brought to you by Radio Taiwan International. I'm Carlson Wong. Thank you for listening. I'll see you next week. Take goodbye. Thank you for listening to Radio Taiwan International. Broadcasting from Taipei, Taiwan. Check out our website at english.rti.org.tw. Again, that's english.rti.org.tw. Our 60-minute English program can be heard every day at the following times and frequencies. In southern China and South Asia from 1600 to 1700 UTC on 6185 kHz, in South Asia from 0300 to 0400 UTC on 15320 kHz. Thank you once again for listening to Radio Taiwan International. We'd love to hear from you. Please send your comments to P.O. Box 123-199 Taipei, Taiwan. You can also email us at rti at rti.org.tw.